Let's uh, pray, and then we'll read the scripture and jump in this morning. Jesus, we declare the truth. You are so good. You are, are, are beyond our imagination in terms of your goodness. Your power is great. Your love is remarkable. And your presence is right here. You promised Jesus when two or three gathered in your name, you're right there in the midst of them. So we know because of your promise that you're here. Jesus, do your work. Just facilitate here the work of the Holy Spirit moving in us, bringing understanding of Scripture, conviction of our righteousness, that we would live out the people that we've been called to be, the people of the kingdom, in righteousness, peace, and joy. I ask that you'd uh, guard and protect this Scripture, that you'd uh, give me words from the Holy Spirit to speak that are true, encouraging, uplifting. For your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Uh, if you uh, you probably on the way in got a piece of paper, those are some of my notes for today. You don't need them. You don't need to look at them to follow what I'm going to say. I promise I'll say everything on that sheet. I'll also say more. Um, I just uh, heard and then I listened. I heard Marvin gave you 14 short points last week. Uh, gateways to intimacy. It was, it was a great message. I loved it. Um, and uh, he gave his notes. I just thought, well, I'll give my notes. So you can just listen and be. Um, and if you don't have those now but want to get them on the way out, they're available right there on the welcome stand. This is uh, John chapter 15, verses 5 through 8. We're in the third part of our series, An Invitation to Intimacy. And today we're talking about remaining in Christ. Maybe in some translations, abiding, but remaining in Christ. And the practice that goes with that, meeting Jesus daily. This is uh, John chapter 15. If I can have that scripture. Yes, Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. Do you want me to read that part again? It's just, a Jesus. it's just what Jesus says, right? If you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. There's uh, one exhortation, one command this morning in this scripture, and it's just this word, remain. It's got some other words, in me, we've got to remain in the right place, but just that word, remain. Um, I'm going to use a couple of words today sort of interchangeably, because if you look in various translations of the New Testament in John 15, you see that uh, phrase uh, uh, translated as different words. Remain in me, abide in me. Live in me, continue in me, find your life in me, stay in me, yield to me. All those are different ways to say the same thing that we're uh, commanded and invited to remain in Christ. So what, whatever word you want to use, Jesus living in us is the source of fruitfulness through us. Jesus living in us is the source of fruitfulness in us. 
not the latest technique for spiritual formation, not the latest book, not a mystical experience. All those are good. But the source of fruitfulness in the life of the believer is the risen Christ living within. To the extent that we remain in Christ, we can be fruitful. To the extent that we walk away from Christ, remain in any other thing, our fruit diminishes. It just works that way. It's a spiritual reality. So uh, we wouldn't, uh, it wouldn't be a complete sermon without a Greek word and just a little bit of fun with a Greek word. So because this word remain is so important, we have to know what it means when Jesus says remain in me. So the Greek word is meno, just M-E-N-O, relatively easy, means to remain or abide. In there, it's used 103 times, I think, in the New Testament. And this word has different connotations depending upon the context. So if it's in reference to a place, it means to sojourn, to find a place, to tarry there, and then not to leave, to continue to be present in a place. So once you're there, not to go away. Once you're in Christ, not to go away. Once you're in Christ, to tarry there, to make the journey, to continue to be in Christ. In reference to time, it means to continue to be, um, not perish, to last or endure. And then the picture of remaining is a, is a little bit more diligent. It's over time, continue to be where you are. So like this morning, it's just fun when God gives such a practical example. I was sitting right there and I was worshiping and right through that window back there from the back um, parking lot, the sun was shining down on someone's beautiful car and then the, the sun was reflected from the, from the front window right there. And I just got to show you this. Okay, so pretend like I'm turned around, but I, I want to face you. So if I stood right here, there was no light. But if I stood right here, the light was full in my face. So probably you weren't watching me worship, but if you saw me doing this, you know, it wasn't the foxtrot, all right? I, was, I, I mean, God was speaking to me, and I realized the light is always there. I can have the light full in my face all the time, but I got to stay there. I, I have to stay there. My only job was to stay, and then the light was shining on me. I mean, we're about to hit spring, right? We're all longing for it. You know when you get a day like we're going to get today, and there's a glimmer of light. It's kind of chilly, and then you find the sun, and you just, you know, like a dog, you go, right? You're not dogs. I didn't mean that, but you get the point, you know? That's, that's the idea of remaining. Remaining in Christ doesn't mean that you don't move. It just means that you move with him. Right? I think that's a key. It, remaining in Christ doesn't mean we do nothing. It doesn't mean we don't move. It just means that it's not anxious movement. We're following the light. We're following the sun. We're following Jesus. Um, in reference to a person, it means to survive or to live. So to remain in Christ is to live in him, to survive in him, to have our being. Barry's spoken really powerfully the last couple of times he's spoken about you know, no, I don't imitate Jesus. Jesus is my life. Um, in reference to a state or a condition, it's to remain as one, to not become another or different. In other words, not to change. It's not like you come to Christ and there's this glory of, I've met Jesus, and now what will I do next to keep that? No, no, no. The source of our fruitfulness never changes. Our growth changes some of the mechanisms and tools for growth change, but the source of fruitfulness never changes. 
It's the risen Christ. We literally don't have anything else at our disposal. No other gift, no other brilliance, no other anything can produce spiritual fruit, but, but the, the living Christ doing it through us. That's why this is so crucial, to remain in him, to stay close, to be connected, to cling to him. You might say that the key to yielding fruit is yielding to Jesus. I like the image of that. The key to yielding fruit, fruit coming out of my life, is the extent to which I yield to Jesus. I let him be the boss. Remember, we were talking about the gospel. We said the gospel is not just life, death, resurrection, but it's also lordship. Jesus didn't just save me so we could see each other in heaven. He he saved me and he wants to be king in my life and rule. And he wants kingly fruit to be popping out of our lives because we're so close to him. Fruit results from our continual nearness or yielding to Jesus. And so when you think about your position in the world related to Jesus, I think it's important that we understand we are not placed into the world for Jesus. We are placed into Jesus for the world. It's not just semantics, right? It's not like God said, I need some marketing reps. I'll take Daniel. Okay, go out there and speak for me, right? I mean, that, that's a secondary thing that happens. No, we are in Christ. That's the first thing. And the result of that is the world gets blessed. I mean, it, it is just like first commandment and second commandment, right? Number one, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. What will happen out of that? Love your neighbors as yourselves. If you only care for your neighbor and don't love God, you are no good to your neighbor. I didn't say that's not original. I stole that from C.S. Lewis, but I liked it, right? So it's, it, this involves this idea of, okay, I'm not in the world for God. I'm in God for the world. It involves a shift. It's a mindset shift. It's, be, it's the difference between I'm going to go produce for God, like I'm a sales rep for God, got to get my numbers up, to know I'm going to bear fruit through God. So yes, I'll be out there in the world, but mainly I'll be in him. And, and because of what he's doing in me, there's going to be fruit coming. It means that we can't plan our lives for fruitfulness all the time. Sometimes it just comes where we are, because that's where Jesus is. So uh, there are two main practices that I associate with remaining in Christ. So like I said, it doesn't mean you don't do anything. There are two practices. So these are things you get to do to remain in Christ. And it's probably not a surprise if you've heard me speak any time in the last three years. It's uh, engaging God in prayer every day and engaging God in the scriptures every day. It's meeting Jesus daily in prayer and in the scripture. Some of you are saying, Randy, you have given this message before and you are absolutely right. And it's not because I couldn't come up with another one. It's because I didn't want to. At least once a year, I want to get up and say there is no other way for us to remain in Christ, but principally every day to place ourselves in his presence in prayer and then insert his word into our hearts and our lives through the scripture. I mean, it's the gift we've been given as people. We can't manifest fruit just by will. Fruit comes out of remaining in Christ. And the key to remaining is I'm engaging with God every day in prayer and I'm hearing his words in the scripture. Jesus said, if you remain in me, I see prayer there. 
and my words remain in you. I see the scripture of God, the, the word of God coming into our lives. Then what? You'll bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And so that's the, those are the key practices associated with remaining. To place ourselves in God's presence by prayer and to uh, place the word in our own hearts by reading and engaging the scriptures. If you want life, then live in Jesus, the life giver. If you want intensity in your walk with God, some of us are there. Like, we just want, you know, like, okay, Jesus, Jesus, but I want. If you want intensity in your walk with God, begin with consistency in your walk with God. So I've got, uh, so Eric and Austin isn't here today. Eric and Austin and I are leading a a men's discipleship cohort. We're about three-fourths of the way through. We meet every Thursday night for a couple hours. And, um, and we talk about discipleship, what it means to follow Jesus. And one of the things that we gave to each man right up front, like basically, here are the rules. Can you believe that? Vineyard Church, and we have rules. All right? This is what you're going to do, because this is number one. 20 minutes a day, praying and reading the scriptures. That was the number one primary thing we asked the men to do, because we know the brilliant words from Randy, Eric, and Austin are not going to change these men. Just talking to each other is not going to change us. Jesus is going to change us. So the primary thing we ask them to do is to place themselves in God's presence and then place the word of God in their own hearts just 20 minutes every day. And some of the men are coming and saying, you know, this is awesome. I'm addicted. I love being with God 20 minutes a day. It becomes a habit and a framework for your life. But it begins with consistency and diligence and discipline, right? Because who just naturally wakes up in the morning? Okay, I see some people over here. But who just naturally wakes up in the morning every day and says, I can't wait to spend hours in the Bible and in prayer. Not everyone. But you begin with diligence, consistency, you get attached to Jesus, and then all of a sudden you don't want to go. You don't want another source. Even Starbucks dims in comparison to the life of Jesus. So Jesus showed us what life, a life fully yielded to God looks like. In John 5:19. he says this, Therefore Jesus answered and was saying to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, as the Son can do nothing of himself unless it, it is something he sees the Father doing, for whatever the Father does, these things the Son also does in like manner. Jesus said, this is what fruitfulness looks like. I only do what the Father's doing. And then he turns around in, uh, to us and he says in John 15, you're just like me. Don't do anything I'm not doing. What's that look like? If you remain in me, prayer, and if my words remain in you, scripture, then ask whatever you want and it'll be granted to you. That is not my promise, okay? It doesn't say, ask whatever you want and Randy will make sure it happens. It doesn't say, ask whatever you want and the government will make sure. You know. No. Ask whatever you want and Jesus said, it will be granted. What does that mean? I have no idea. But do we, will we take Jesus at his word or not? I mean, will we do our part so he can do his part or not? It's an invitation. It's a command. It's an invitation. It's a command. Jesus says, do this because it's so good for you. You're going to love it. Remain in me and let my words remain in you. So one, we place ourselves in God's presence. That's 
prayer. The number one practice for remaining in Christ is yielding to God in prayer. I have probably 40 books on prayer. And I could loan them out, make copies, buy them for all of you, and that would be really fun for 22 of you. Okay. The only real way to learn how to pray is to pray. Like, that's it. You could read, uh, I got two jugglers right here. You could read books about juggling, right? But until you do it, you'll never learn. You got to practice over and over and over again. Same with prayer. So I'm not going to try to tell you how important it is or give you a thousand steps to prayer. I'm just going to tell you what it is and tell you you're invited to be with God. It's so great that we've got a prayer room and 50 hours open this week for you to begin or continue to practice this simple command and invitation of Jesus to pray. Um, J.B. Phillips, in his translation of the Bible in 1960, he says, he translates John 15:5 like this, but if you live your life in me and my words live in your hearts, that's how he translates that phrase, if you live your life in me, it's a great understanding, a great uh, example of prayer, to live your life in Jesus, to constantly be in communion with Jesus. Prayer is talking to God. Back in 1982, when I was a freshman in college and involved in a student ministry, I remember, I mean, they just said over and over, what is prayer? It's just talking to God. It's not grand words. It's not, you know, perfect eloquence. It's not getting it all right. It's just talking to God. I know, I I don't want to make a big example of like we're tweeting to God or texting God, because I think that diminishes the idea. But it is a picture of communication. There's no one that gets more texts in the day from me than my wife, Jane, because I want to be in constant communion with her. I love you. She gets that one a lot. <laughs> What's for dinner? She gets that one a lot. <laughs> right? When are you going to be home? <laughs> you know, we go back and forth. What's the point? We're communicating with one another. Whatever we can do to stay in contact, because this is the most important relationship humanly in my life. So we communicate. It's just talking. It's just communication. Uh, Another uh, uh, way to define prayer is opening your mind and heart to God or accepting God's invitation to loving personal encounter. To truly pray, to communicate or commune with God is to bring more and more of myself into God's presence. More and more of the truth about me into the reality of the truth about God. That's why confession is a big part of prayer. It's not like, God, let's not talk about what I just thought or did. No, it's, God, you know everything. I just want to bring more of who I am into more of who he is because that's communion. Same in a marriage relationship. More and more of who I am so that my wife will know and more and more of who she is so that I'll know. And we get to the point after 30 years, we can finish one another's sentences We can say one word and it means an entire story or joke because we're that intimate, right? I think it's that way with the Lord. God will remind us of things in the past, you know, and all we need is just that one word and we remember all the goodness of the past, right? Isn't it a beautiful picture of intimacy with God? It's what he longs for with us. And he's waiting. He's just longing for it. Here's an encouragement. When it comes to prayer, everyone is a beginner. I've been praying for 
how old am I? I'm 51. I don't know. When I first garbled the first Jesus helped me, right? We've been praying for 45 years. I'm a beginner. We're all beginners. And let that give you comfort. I mean, there are no experts in prayer. The disciples spent three years with him and Jesus, and they still said, how do you do it? And still, you know, even after Jesus left and the Holy Spirit came, why is the Holy Spirit here? One reason, to pray for us when we don't have a clue how to do it. He intercedes on our behalf because we're all beginners. So just don't worry about it. Don't know how to pray? Fine. Start anyway. We, we learn as we go. To prayer, Richard Foster said this, to pray is to change. Prayer is the central avenue that God uses to transform us. In prayer, we learn to think God's thoughts after him, to desire the things he desires, to love the things he loves, to do the things he wills. We're just be learning how to, to think the thoughts of Jesus after him, to love the things that Jesus loves. And so I'm not going to give you any pattern for prayer. There's one in the Bible, the Lord's Prayer, if you want that. I'll loan you a book if you want. I'm just encouraging you Take time every day to talk to God. The way it works for me is I have a set time and set scriptures that I read and some liturgical prayers that I read that launch me into my own encounter with God. And if you want to talk about that, I'm happy to talk about that. I've got a few websites on your uh, notes sheet that will give you some framework for daily prayer. But however you do it, do it. Talk to God. And I think the worst thing I could do now is say, here are the 12 steps on how to do it. Because everyone thinks, well, did I get step three right? No, just take step one, talk to God. He just can't wait to hear your voice and to speak back to you. So number one, in terms of remaining in Christ, we place ourselves in his presence through prayer. Number two is this, we plant his word in our lives by meeting Jesus daily in the scriptures. It is a thing we do, right? It, it is, it's an action that we take. We can't just say, Jesus, I'll stay here. You know, let me know if you need me. It's Jesus, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move to the light. Wherever the light is, I want to be there because I want it shining in my face. Well, the, the light comes from the word of God. Psalm 119, your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. That must have come from a song. Right? It's, it's the, the scripture is a light for us that takes us to Jesus. It's a way that God reveals himself to us. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, Jesus says, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples and this brings great glory to my Father. If you want to do your part of abiding, one part is prayer and one part is letting the word of God be in your life every day. If you don't own a Bible, I will give you one today. All right. No excuses there. If you have any sort of electronic device, there are one hundred and seven thousand Bibles out there. All right. Easy thing is to get a Bible in our country, not in all countries. The hardest thing is to open it up and to say, Jesus let your words remain in me. So let me tell you what. Uh, here's what God did for me this week. He's, um, this Tuesday morning, and I was praying uh, 
just as I normally do. And I normally have a time of prayer. I go through some liturgical prayers. I pray. I read the Bible. And then because I love to read, I just read. If I'm up at 5 a.m., I read two hours. If I'm right up, up at six, I read one hour. I just love to read. So I'll read the Bible and then I'll read a thousand things associated to the Bible. All right. And I, I just recognize that sometimes some of those other readings get in the way of me actually encountering Jesus in his word. So here's what Jesus told me this Tuesday. He said, Randy, I want you to fast from reading. Now, some of you, you think, big deal. I've been doing that for 20 years, right? <laughs> and no condemnation. We're all different, right? But some of you, that hit really hard. You're like, what, you mean die? <laughs> and, and I prayed about it, and I, it was no doubt the Lord said for the next 30 days until Easter, from this last Tuesday or Wednesday, whatever it was, the Lord said, I don't want you to read anything but the Bible. Now, for some of you, it's just not a big deal. For me, it's a huge deal. I don't know what to do with my life. I don't know what other people do with their free time. I read. I read all the time. If I'm not reading the Bible, a book about the Bible, a commentary, I'm reading a news site, I'm reading about politics, I'm reading about psychology. I love it, right? I'm an, my name is Randy, and I'm addicted to reading. <laughs> We're all laughing, right? It's absolutely true. And I'm feeling withdrawal. I, I'm also feeling freedom, Right? So I, I, I have a New Testament. I just decided all I'm going to read for the next 30 days is the New Testament. And, I, and that's all I have. So, man, I've read a lot of the Bible this week. Here's, the, here's my point. There are things that the enemy will use, maybe even good things, that will get in the way of us obeying the command of Jesus, let my words remain in you. For some of us, it's worship music. Worship music is great unless it replaces Jesus. For some of us, it's reading. Reading is great unless it replaces Jesus. Some of us, it's reading commentaries and, and studies and all that stuff, and it's great unless it replaces Jesus. Remember what Jesus said to the Pharisees in the Bible somewhere. He said, you search the scriptures thinking that you'll find me in them, but, I, but they point to me. Jesus was probably lifting up a scroll at the moment. He said, you're looking for me here, but I'm right here. Remember Marvin's vision from last week? Digging, digging, digging. And the Lord says, turn around. Is this what you're looking for? Intimacy. Intimacy. I'm right here. And I just felt like that, that was for me. And so pray for me. But recognize that God may ask you too to give something else up. Not, I'm going to sacrifice this for you, but God, I'm going to put that aside because I want you purely. So for the, 30, the next 30 days, I just want the word of God. That's what I want to remain in me, right? Not any news site, not what Dallas Willard or Richard Foster or C.S. Lewis or any other brilliant person thinks, but the words of Jesus. When we let his words abide in us, change comes. Here's a promise from Isaiah 55. As the rain and snow come down from above and return not again, but water the earth, bringing forth life and giving growth, seed for sowing and bread to eat, so is my word that goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me fruitless. This is God's promise. My word will not return to me fruitless. 
when the word of God goes into the seed of uh, the soil of your heart, it will not return fruitless, but it will accomplish that which I purpose and succeed in the task I gave it. When you plant a seed in the ground and you water it, the next day, do you see anything? No. The next day, do you see anything? No. Depending on what you've planted, it takes different times, right? You may not see after one day in the scriptures, oh, I'm radically changed. But trust me, over time, if you remain in Christ through prayer and let his words remain in you through engaging the scripture every day, you will be changed. Romans 12, 2, you will be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you'll be able to prove what the will of God is in your life. Discern what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. That's God's promise to us. We have a part to pray, to communicate with God, and to let his words remain in us. I put on your, um, on your notes sheet a couple of websites that will give you some scriptures that you can read every day if you want with other parts of people are praying around and reading around the world or some prayers to get you started. Um, my encouragement is this. Do whatever it takes. If you need to take our men's discipleship cohort challenge, if you're not already, 20 minutes a day. Just 20 minutes a day until Easter. Next 30 days, 20 minutes. 28 days technically. 20 minutes. And let the word of God be in you. Hebrews 12:13 says this. So take a new grip with your tired hands. This is uh, Eugene Peterson's paraphrase. Take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Work out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. I think the writer to the Hebrews is encouraging the Jewish Christians at that time to walk with discipline. Make a path for your feet. Use your God-given will and decide where you'll walk. I'm going to pray for 20 minutes. That's my path. I'm going to read the word of God for 20 minutes. That's my path. I'll place myself on the path. I'll do my part, placing myself in God's presence and in placing his word in my life. And then I'll let God do his part, which only he can do. And that's to form me into the image of Jesus. So uh, uh, take a new grip. Get, get some newfound energy today. You're tired and your weak hands, God will strengthen and mark out a straight path for your feet. Make a decision today, not just with your fleshly will, but your empowered will, the Holy Spirit within you, and say, I'm going to mark out a path for my feet. These next 28 days, I'm going to place myself in God's presence on a daily basis. We choose our response to God's invitation to intimacy. We choose it. How we move towards God is less important than that we move towards God. The intensity of our walk with God is less important than our consistency in our walk with God. A yielded life begins with just turning our eyes from all the things that I can do to Jesus himself. So the question is, will you arrange your life? Will you arrange or rearrange your life for God to give you the life that you say you want from him. Right? Every day we say, God, change me, change me. 
And God just says, I I will change you. I want to talk to you, and I want my words to be within you. And you'll, you'll see change. 